today we are wrapping up a teaching series that we've entitled The Roadmap. It's been where we've been learning how to live in love like Jesus by being with God, being with others, and being sent. And I want to be very clear that this is actually the beginning and not the end. Uh, spare me a moment to tell you another personal running story, but for the past 15 weeks, I've been training to participate in a 200-mile relay run that actually is this Friday and Saturday in Oregon, and it's called Hood to Coast. I'll be running from the top of Mount Hood all the way to the Pacific Ocean, uh, along with 12 other people. I don't want you to think I'm running all 200 miles myself. I'll run 15 or 20 miles of that. And I'm doing that with a group called World Vision. Those guys get me to do the craziest things. If you were here last week, you know that that's one of the marathons I participated in. We're trying to raise awareness and money for World Vision's work in South Sudan. That's in Africa. And so for the past 15 weeks I've been training, I've ran over 300 miles so far, and here's the reality, I've not even started the race. The race doesn't start till this Friday at 9 a.m. That's where the rubber will meet the road literally, right? All this training is getting me ready for actually the start of the race. And there's a parallel here as I think about the roadmap. Over the past three weeks, we've been introducing you to what it looks like to live in love like Jesus. We've been encouraging you to go to the roadmap and discover the pathways to being with God, being with others, being sent, and to, the, to look at the resources and actions that's provided. But all that is really preparing us, you and me, for actually doing it, for actually making a commitment and acting upon that commitment by actually living and loving like Jesus, by being with God, being with others, and being sent. And so today we're focusing on the being sent section of the roadmap. And as we do, I hope that you will feel God's resurrecting power working in you as we just sang. That you might be able to actually put action into the words where we said, I'm available. Or in my life, Lord, be glorified. In our world, God, be glorified. In the way that I love, God, be glorified. I could not have chosen any better songs to set up what I think God wants to say to us today. Maybe you've not been here for the past three weeks and you feel like you're entering a conversation that has already begun. Well, what I would encourage you to do is go to our website, cccgo.com forward slash info, or you can go to media.cccgo.com and you can hear all the past messages of this series. You can also subscribe to a blog there called Live and Love Like Jesus. It's a way that we're trying to equip you for this. Also, we've been encouraging everybody to download the roadmap. And so I'm going to encourage you, if you are not one of the 759 people who've done that yet, today's your day. All right, pull out your camera, take a picture of that QR code, or you can go to your internet browser and type the letters cccgo.com forward slash roadmap. Here's the big action step. Hit the big subscribe button right there on that first page. You can't miss it. Hit subscribe, and that will allow you to keep up to date with the roadmap. We're updating that thing every, uh, all the time. This past three weeks, it's been updated multiple times. We're communicating out to those who have subscribed. And so go ahead and subscribe. It'll also help you get connected to people who are actually on this journey with you. It'll help you stay informed and provide you with new resources on how you can live and love like Jesus by being with God, being with others, and being sent. To get our arms around what it actually means to be sent, we're actually gonna start in the exact same place that we've started to understand being with God and being with others, Genesis chapter one. God created humankind 
so that he could have a relationship with us and we could have a relationship with him. God created humankind so that we could have a relationship with each other. And God created humankind so we'd have a purpose, a mission, a job, a commissioning. Look at Genesis 1, these verses. God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God gave humankind a responsibility to steward all of the rest of the things he had created to fulfill his purposes in creation. And God commissioned humankind to be part of his work. And this was all prior to the fall and the curse. Humanity was given a divine blessing to bless all the rest of creation by exercising dominion over all the earthly creatures, not to exploit them or waste them or even despoil them, but to care for God's creation. And we reflect God's identity and his purpose best when we do that in full service to God and also to our fellow humans. We are part of God's mission. The commissioning continued well past the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 12, we see God speaking to a specific person this same identity and purpose. His name was Abram. And in Genesis chapter 12, God said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to a land I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation and I'll bless you. I will make your name great and you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Do you see the parallel commissioning there? The same that God gave the first humans in the Garden of Eden, he's now giving to a guy whose name was Abraham. What a huge privilege and responsibility. God fulfills his promise to make Abraham's descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and to make him into a great nation. And we actually know the name of that nation. It's the nation of Israel. He gives them the same promises and responsibilities. He said, I'll be your God, you'll be my people, and you will bless all people on earth. God made a covenant with the people of Israel at Mount Sinai, and he, after rescuing them from Egypt, and he said these words to them, you yourself have seen what I did in Egypt, how I carried you on eagles' wings and I brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you'll be my treasured possession. Although the whole world is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. This is an outgrowth of the same commissioning that we read about in the Garden of Eden and the same words and mission that God gave Abram. God promises to be with his people, to bless them, for them to extend his rule and reign of his kingdom by being a kingdom of priests, a kingdom of a holy nation, he says. All creation will be blessed through you. It's a strong identity and strong purpose. We might get tripped up by that word priest and go, what is God meaning with that? Well, the simple job description of a priest was to reveal God to man and reveal or intercede between man and God. It's just like a two-way relationship. And that is the identity and purpose that God gives his people. 
The rest of the Old Testament shares how God's people did and did not live up to their end of the bargain. When they obeyed God, there was blessing. When they disobeyed God, there were curses. We see how their obedience brought blessings, not just to them, but to everyone on the earth. And we see how God never gave up on his end of the deal. In fact, fast forward and he actually commissions another individual to help restore his covenant with his people who were unable to live it out perfectly. He, this person provided an example of how to live out the commissioning that God gave Adam and Eve, Abram, the people of Israel. And this person's name is Jesus, right? I intentionally left out the declaration that Jesus made about his identity and purpose last week when we looked at Luke chapter four, where Jesus is worshiping with God's people back in Nazareth in a synagogue on the Sabbath day. It was, Jesus was asked to come and read from the scroll. And as he stood up, he was handed the scroll of Isaiah the prophet. And he turned to the place where these words were written. Luke chapter four records Jesus saying these words. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoner and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. While the people tried to kill Jesus at his revelation, he resolutely went out just living it out. How Jesus loved and how Jesus lived are all reflection of this exact commissioning. The same as God gave to the first man and woman, to Abram, to the nation of Israel. But it didn't stop with Jesus. As we read through the Gospel of Luke and the other accounts of Jesus' life, what you see Jesus doing is constantly inviting people into the same privilege and responsibility, to have the same identity and the same purpose, to become a part of God's family and to get busy doing the family business. He began by inviting 12 men. They were a, a group of ragtag people who came from all walks of life, personalities, abilities, experiences, but they were all given the same common mission. Luke 9 records Jesus' words to them. He says, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out demons and cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And Luke records in verse six, so they went out from village to village and they proclaimed the good news and were healing people everywhere. They were on mission sent with the same promise and responsibility, given the same identity and purpose, blessed to bless. And then in Luke 10, just the next chapter, it actually records Jesus choosing 72 others and giving them the same instructions. He says to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore to send out workers into the harvest field. And then he says, go, I am sending you. The rest of Jesus' time here on earth was spent preparing people, equipping his followers for this mission. And he ultimately makes the full expression of being sent by dying on the cross in the place of all people, to, in obedience to God's plan, for the benefit of all humankind. And then he resurrects from the grave to demonstrate that all authority and power belong to him. And he then commissions all of his followers to the same identity and purpose. Luke records that commissioning in chapter 24. He says, Jesus said to them, this is what I told you while I was here with you. Everything must be fulfilled that's written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and Psalms. And then he opened their minds so that they could understand scripture. He told them, 
This is what was written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. First beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, Jesus said to those there that day. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Now, those words might not be as familiar to us as Matthew's record of those same commissioning words. We probably know it best from Matthew 28, where Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've taught you, and I'll be with you till the very end of the age. That's exactly what happens. Jesus' followers start from that moment, and they do just what he said to do. And the book of Acts actually records what Jesus' followers did when Jesus was back in heaven. In fact, the book of Luke opens with, or excuse me, the book of Acts, written by Luke, starts with this same kind of commissioning idea. Acts chapter 1, Jesus talking to his followers, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and all Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The rest of the book of Acts records how that actually happened. How ordinary people like you and me who made a decision to follow Jesus because they believed that he was who he said he was, the Messiah, their savior, and they had made him his Lord. So they went about following his commission. In fact, that's why starting next week, we're gonna be walking through the book of Acts. We're not gonna take a whole year to do that. We're gonna take about eight weeks. It won't be verse by verse necessarily, but we wanna look and see what's the Holy Spirit up to in the lives of those people who decide to follow Jesus. How are they living and loving like Jesus and living on mission as people who are sent? I hope you'll join us next week as we start that journey. I hope you also see right now this continual thread that started at the Garden of Eden when God commissioned Adam and Eve. It's for all humankind to be part of his work. And I hope that you understand that that includes you and me. If you took the time this past week to read through some of those one another passages, I hope you got the strong impression that the people that those instructions are for are you and me. They're not necessarily pastors who would preach on this stage or people who get paid by a church. They're actually for normal people who said yes to following Jesus and they're busy living it out. Our identity as people created by God is for relationship with him and with others. And it's also one of sentness. We're commissioned to bless all of God's creation by demonstrating his love and grace in tangible ways. And we're identified as followers of Jesus, not how we spend our Sunday morning time slot, but actually how we live every day of the week, how we love every person that we lock eyes with or that crosses our path. And you and I are given the privilege and responsibility of being called, created, chosen by God to participate in what he's doing in the world around us. We've been saved, we've been gifted, and we've been called to this mission. We are sent. Peter, in the Bible, is someone who absorbed and just kind of lived out this in all its fullness as humanly possible. And he connects the dots for us, maybe hyperlinks, as Jeremy Locke might say. In words he wrote in his first epistle, they're on the screen, Pay attention to how many times he uses the word you, because he's talking to you. He's talking to me. Peter says, as you come to him, meaning Jesus, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, 
are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among pagans that although they may accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. When you and I live in love like Jesus, we are like him in identity and we're also like him in purpose. And the impact is that others will come to know the love of God. They'll choose to live like his son, Jesus. They're drawn to him. We were created to be with God. We were created to be with others and we were created to be sent. We've designed the roadmap to help equip all of us for just that. So right now, Andrew Bondurant's gonna come who helped kind of put together the be sent portion of the roadmap and walk us through that. Would you welcome him? All right. Well, just want to let you guys know, you see Phil running, feel free to like cheer him on and join him. You see me running, you may want to run too, because there's probably like glitter on the other end or a giant snake that I didn't have anything to kill with, okay? Um, now, I uh, have read a story a couple of times over the last couple of weeks about um, people on safaris who were told by their safari guides that warthogs are so forgetful, all right, that they will be running away from a lion forget why they're running, and then get eaten by a lion, okay? It's kind of crazy, right, to think about. Um, but I think sometimes whenever we think about, like, being sent or being on mission with God, um, we can live a little bit like that, right? We have a great quiet time in the morning, or maybe we go to small group, and we're really challenged with this way that God's inviting us to live as sent people in the world. Or maybe we come together on a weekend, and we have that opportunity and then we leave and we quickly forget because um, someone in traffic is clearly violating all human logic um, and or whatever the reason may be. A lot of times we can get tripped up uh, living as sent people of God because we simply forget. But other times I think it's because we buy into a couple of lies. And uh, you can think about this maybe as a spectrum. On one end, you've got um, people who, whenever they think about being sent uh, by God, they think... I don't have time for that. I've got a lot going on. I don't have time to, to add one more thing to my life to live as one sent by God. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got people who think, okay, I'm sent by God. That means I must say yes to any and every opportunity that pops up in my life, right? In fact, you wouldn't say this maybe if you're in this category, but sometimes the way you live your life, you live as if um, the mission of God is dependent upon you saying yes to every possible thing that pops up in your life. <laughs> So somewhere on that spectrum, I think sometimes we find ourselves living, and I think part of the challenge with this, part of the lie that we're buying into with that is that being sent by God means simply adding things to our lives. So we convince ourselves we're too busy to live as one sent by God because we can't add anything else to our lives. I think that's a lie we're buying into. And on the other end, we think that, that we have to add everything. But the truth that we're trying to embrace whenever we think about being sent is that being sent is recognizing that God has placed you where you are on purpose. 
Not only that, but he has invited you to intentionally live in light of that reality, that you are sent where you are, that God allows you to see things in our city on purpose, that God allows you to see things in your workplace on purpose, that God has you where you are on purpose. So we are going to press into this uh, as we move forward. But I just want us to think about this for a minute. I know that, that USI, UE, you guys are starting this coming week. Well, if you're a student here, we believe that God has you here in this city, on this campus, on purpose. If you are in a workplace right now and you're kind of confused about why you're there, we believe God has you there on purpose. We believe that God has you living on the street you're on, on purpose. Now this fact that God has you there on purpose, what that doesn't mean is that you're like eternally stuck there. Please don't stay in college for the next 30 years, all right? It's frowned upon by your parents. Um, So find something else to do eventually. But I think that what we can see here is that while it's not eternal, it does mean that that God has us where we are and if we will choose to live intentionally where we are, that that can lead to some freedom and we can actually begin to see transformation wherever it is that God has placed us. So as we jump in here, if you've got your phone, feel free to join me on the roadmap under that Be Sent section. Uh, We're gonna talk through these four avenues that we have. The first avenue that we think about whenever we think about being sent is this idea of understanding sentness. Okay, And maybe that doesn't make sense to you. Whenever we talk about that, we're saying that as God's people, we are empowered by his spirit and sent into our homes, neighborhoods, workplaces, and world. God has sent us where we are, empowered by his spirit, and part of our identity is to live as people sent by God. But I think sometimes we can be overcome by fear whenever we think about this because maybe we haven't been living that way before. Or maybe as we think about our life, we think, uh, I don't really have it all together. If I start living in such a way that people start asking questions, I'm not going to have the right answers. There are any number of things that can cause us to respond in fear, but I think that if we will choose to step forward, we'll see that God will show himself faithful in guiding us through this process. As with most things in life, I think understanding sentence requires a couple of things. One is actual like knowledge, learning what this means. But then the second piece is actually practicing that knowledge, right? If you just fill yourself with, with understanding about what it means to be sent, but don't actually do anything, you're kind of wasting your time. So as we think about this, the getting started step right there is just walking through three sessions that just try to explain what, it, what we mean whenever we think about understanding sentness. And those, um, again, the challenge there is to actually choose to do something about what you learned there. And then the next step there is to jump into uh, something we uh, have been pushing for a while here called Momentum Yes. Join in on this and figure out what it looks like to live as one sent by God where he has placed you. Now, the second pathway that we think about under being sent is discovering your giftedness and calling. And here's a conviction that we hold unashamedly here. And this is the idea that God has gifted each person to participate in his mission. And I believe you are called to steward, live as a steward of what God has put in you, what God has put around you, wherever God has placed you. I think this is part of what it means to be created in the image of God is to steward what God's put in you, around you, where he's placed you. This is what you see in the garden when Adam and Eve are created. They're created and they're to steward the, the capacities that God has placed in them. They are to cultivate the garden that God has surrounded them with. They are to even steward their relationship with one another and their relationship with God. And they're supposed to do that where God had placed them. And God invites us into that same journey. 
Now, a great place to start here for the getting started step there is to figure out what it is that God has put in you. Maybe you haven't thought about that. So we've got an assessment there and then a spiritual gifts assessment as well that will maybe help you figure out a little bit about what God has put in you. But something that I wanna encourage you to do, maybe you noticed whenever you walked in that there were all kinds of tables out there and that always makes you a little bit nervous because you're like, oh great, they're gonna ask us to do something else now, right? Um, but what I want to encourage you to do as you think about discovering your giftedness and calling is to actually commit to taking a step to do something you think you're gifted in. Or maybe you don't know where you're gifted. Take, commit to figuring out where God has gifted you and wired you. Because something I've learned in my own life is that it's only by starting to use the gifts God has given us that we maybe start discovering just how God has wired us to live and to work. Maybe that means you, you see a need and you're in a stage of life right now where you've got some more time and it's a need in our city and you say, wait a second, I can contribute to that need. Well, start pressing into that maybe with a couple steps and see what it is that maybe God starts to awaken inside of you. Maybe you see whenever you come in and our kids entrance, you see some needs back there in the kids area as one who's back there quite a bit. I say, yes, we have needs back there. But if you maybe start to see those and you think, man, I remember what it was like to have young kids. That was a really hard time. I wonder if I could maybe give a parent some peace of mind by jumping in here and loving on their kids. I think if you'll actually take that step to do that, you will begin to see that, that God may awaken something in you and as long as you're not in the four-year-old class with some psycho kid named Abe, you'll have a great day, you know? <laughs> but this whole idea of understanding your giftedness and calling requires you not just to, again, discover what God's put in you, but to make the decision to start putting that into practice. That can be, again, where you live, work, and play. It's not just things in this building. It can be things in our city, things in our world. But God has put things in you that he desires to awaken. But you gotta make a commitment to take a step. Now, a third pathway that we talk about is this idea of faithfully engaging the world. And this is something that I became really convicted of last year, both as we went through the Gospel of John and then this year as we looked at uh, the kingdom of God a little bit. And it's this idea that being a citizen of God's kingdom changes the way we live where we are right now. Being a citizen of God's kingdom is our primary, primary identity. That is where our citizenship is most found. And we must look at everything in our life and ask the question, do I believe this or am I running after this? Am I clinging to this because of what King Jesus says or because of the family I grew up in or because of what I'm listening to on the news or because of fill in the blank, my friend group, or whatever that may be. You see, I remember whenever I was uh, graduating from high school, I grew up in the church, but after I graduated from high school, like I, I opened up my Bible, I've talked about this before, and like started reading through the gospels and was like, oh wow, like reading your Bible really does matter. Maybe I should have listened to my youth pastor. You know, that would have been great. But as I started to read through the gospels and started to see the things that Jesus said, I was confronted with a question. Am I going to start like living in a way that, that surrenders to what Jesus says or I'm gonna keep just running after my own thing? And I had to make a decision then about what I was going to do. Was I going to surrender to Jesus and say, okay, Jesus, whatever it is that you want, I'm gonna say you're king and I'm not. I'm gonna give up my own desires for you. And that led to a transformation in my life. And the thing I've learned over the last 13 years is that it's not something I could just make a decision on one time. It's something that I have to keep submitting to the Lord, right? 
I have to keep saying, okay, Lord, here is how I feel about this thing I'm hearing or seeing in our world. Is this because of who you are as king or is this just because this is what I've always thought? And it leads to some challenging pieces. It's a challenging thing in our world right now where where we're told to identify in any number of camps to say, okay, Lord, I'm submitting all this to you. I know this may not be comfortable at my uh, Thanksgiving table. I know this may not be comfortable uh, at my dinner table tonight. I know this may not be comfortable in my workplace, but I'm surrendering this all to you. We want to faithfully engage the world by living as people who are citizens of God's kingdom first and foremost. And so the the way to get started here, there's just a message that, that helps us think through the idea of what it looks like to live in a place that isn't quite home. And then the next step there is a a six-week course called For the Life of the World. And we'd love for you, if you maybe haven't engaged with that before, but you want to think more about this, that you would take the step to engage in that. You can click right there on the form or on that, uh, yeah, on the roadmap there. You can click on a form, fill out some information there, and we would love to get you connected with a group of people who are going through this together. Because the other thing we know about being sent is that we can't do it alone. (laughs) Just going back to what we talked about last week, we've got to do these things together. Now, the fourth and final pathway that we have under this idea of being sent is the idea of pursuing justice and living compassionately. Now, this is a concept we've talked before over the last couple of years as gospel transformation. I remember that stuff because I spent a whole lot of time thinking about that. You maybe don't because we talked about it just a couple times up here. So what we're talking about whenever we think about this idea is that to live in love like Jesus, we believe we are compelled to engage the hopeless and marginalized with the good news of Jesus. We believe that Jesus cares for those that are in a place right now in our world where they are hopeless and marginalized. And as the people of God, we are to take the same sort of posture that Jesus took and run towards them instead of away from them. And again, we live in a world where it's easy to be really loud about this on social media, right? We live in a world where it's really easy to be loud about this in our workplace, But this is something that requires us not just to be loud about with our opinions, but to begin to show with our heart that we're living and loving like Jesus, that we're not just speaking the things that we think Jesus would speak, but that we're actually choosing to take actions that Jesus would take. So to get started here, we've got a couple of ways. Um, One is to engage with the foster care system in our area through the care portal. If you haven't heard about that, go on there, learn more about that. Another way is to get plugged in with the Transform a Village initiative we had a couple years ago to actually uh, begin sponsoring a child with our friends in in Kenya and see what that could look like to intentionally engage in that way. Or uh, another seasonal opportunity we have is to engage with Affordable Christmas, which shouldn't just be something we engage with one time a year, but could be an open door for you to begin engaging with deep needs in our city on a more regular basis. As we think about what it looks like to to take next steps here, we would love for you to get plugged in serving with one of our local partners to see maybe if your eyes can become more awakened to, to what God is doing in our city. Or maybe for you, it's learning better how to think about poverty. We've got a little course that will help you understand that as well so that we can be a people who, again, instead of just paying lip service, run towards the hurting and the marginalized in our city to show them the sort of love that Jesus has shown us. As we just kind of wrap this up thinking about this, the thing I want you to remember is this, that we can only live as people sent by God out of our being with God, going back to week one. 
Not only that, but, but we best run after this mission that God has put us on, where he's placed us by doing it with others. This whole roadmap thing is one whole idea, all right? We don't pick and choose where we move. But the thing I want you to know more than anything is the only reason we're able to live as people sent by God is because Jesus himself was sent, right? Because Jesus ran after us and said, okay, I'm going on this mission to reconcile all things to myself. And now he says, I'm calling you church to join me in that same mission, to be a people who seek to see this world reconciled back to God, to live in the way that God created us to live. Y'all, I'm real excited about this and I could keep going, but the light's already flashing red, which means Andrew went too long. So I'm gonna invite Phil back up here to wrap things up. I've seen that light before. I've seen that light before. I hope you understand this, that being with God, being with others and being sent is about being our full identity. It's who we were created to be, not necessarily what we were created to do. That's a big distinction. I think it's where we find our greatest identity. It's where we find our greatest purpose. And then the being sent is in blessing others. Our mission is really clear, as Andrew just said, to join God's rescue mission, to help those who do not yet know the love of Christ to feel that in very tangible ways because we have experienced it and we're a conduit to them. And let me just tell you, that's scary. I know it's a lot more comfortable to sit here on a Sunday morning and just take in than it is to extend ourselves in a vulnerable way toward another person. And that's why we want to reassure you that we're not sending you out to do something that we're not willing to do ourselves, and that we're just going to push you off a ledge and watch you crash and burn. We're here to walk every step of the way with you. That's why we created the roadmap to not just fill your minds with a bunch of stuff, but to actually give you opportunity to take a step and to act upon that. And I pray that you will. Also, later this fall in October, we have a whole series dedicated, four weeks just specifically about how to be sent, how to live on mission. And so that's another way that we want to equip you. Now, most people are familiar with the story of the Titanic, right? It's that um, ocean liner that was never supposed to sink but found itself after striking an iceberg in the North Atlantic Ocean, plunging to a watery end. And the result of that was 1,500 lives being lost. You may be familiar with that story, but you might not be familiar with the story of a guy named John Harper, who was actually a widower, who was a passenger on the Titanic with his daughter. He was sailing, sailing from London, his home, actually to the United States. He ultimately hoped to arrive in Chicago, Illinois, where he was to preach at Moody Bible Church. And Moody Bible Church was actually a congregation founded by Dwight L. Moody. What the congregation did not know is he wasn't just preaching once, he was actually to soon assume the pastorship of Moody Church. Well, after realizing that the ship was in great peril, the first thing he did is he placed his daughter on a lifeboat. And then he busied himself running around the ship that was sinking, looking every person in the eye and sharing with them the fact that they needed to know Jesus so that if they died, they would actually go to heaven. The story was told that John Harper actually uh, extended his life vest to another person and said, you need this more than I do, so that that person wouldn't end their life and be separated from God the rest of eternity. As the water began to submerge that unsinkable ship, uh, Harper was heard saying, women, children, and the unsaved get on the lifeboat. 
And eventually, as that ship disappeared into the water, Harper found himself in the water fighting hypothermia. And as he was fighting hypothermia, he was swimming to people who were holding on for dear life to debris from the ship so that they wouldn't die. One man told a story four years later at a reunion of those who actually survived the Titanic that he remembered meeting Harper in the water that night. Harper came to him and he began telling him how much that God loved him and how much he didn't have to fear death if he would just surrender his life to Jesus Christ and claim him as savior. And he didn't really wanna hear much about what Harper had to say. And Harper swam away, started talking to another person and then make a, made a return trip to him to once again express to him how much God loved him and, and that he didn't have to fear death because God had, would save him if he just surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. And the second time, this man accepted that good news. And he declared at this uh, four-year reunion, I think I might be the last convert of John Harper. I think John Harper understood what I hope you and I will understand today, that first of all, what hangs in the balance of us kind of take or leave this be sent is eternity. We're not just going out to do philanthropy. We're not just offering a cup of cold water or some food for a person or being a nice good neighbor or workplace mate. What we're actually doing is declaring the good news that God loves the world, that he has a plan for every person, that his goal is to bless all of creation. And those of us who have accepted that love have a privilege and responsibility to share that good news, to show that love by the way that we live and in the way that we love, so that those who see that and feel that would actually come to know God. And they would not fear death, but they'd be assured that they would spend eternity with God in heaven. And so that's why we, as sent people, go into our neighborhoods, go into our schools, go into our workplaces. That's why we go into our community, into jails and soup kitchens and prisons to marginalize parts of our city. That's why we across the aisle or the hall or 41 or the border or lines of tension. That's why we might launch into a new career or take less pay while we might live in a different way. That's why we go to a person who's been waiting to be invited, who needs to be forgiven, who needs to have a deeper conversation, who needs to be noticed, who needs to be loved. It's why we do our jobs the way we do. It's how we lead our family. It influences the way that we do uh, live our life as neighbors. It influences everything about our life because it's who we are. It's our identity and it's our purpose. So let me just ask you, how are you living? How are you loving? What's your measuring stick to determine the answer to that? I hope it's Jesus. Hope you've realized by now that God created you to have a relationship with you. He was so interested in having a relationship with you that he exchanged the life of his only son to take the punishment that you and I deserved, that's death, separation from him for eternity. He gave up his own son so he could have you and me as his children. He paid the penalty of our sin through that. And that's not the end of the story. He allowed Jesus to be resurrected so that they would, he would prove that he is Lord of all creation, worthy of our worship, as well as worthy of our followership. And because he's that, he's invited us, not just to be his creation, but to be his children and to get busy in the family business. So I hope by now 
that you're ready to make that decision to follow Jesus, not just one time and say, I'm good with God, but to say, I wanna walk with God every day. I wanna be a part of his work here on earth by living and loving like his son Jesus, on mission like him. And I hope that maybe by now you've already said that or you're ready by now too. I want you to know that Jesus is the only way to live. He is the only way to truth. He is the only way. So learning how to live and love like Jesus is really not optional. There is no other way. And so whether you have been following Jesus for a long time or maybe you're ready to start today, I want you to get going and keep growing in this living and loving like Jesus because the commission ends when everyone knows God's love or when God comes back to take those who do to be with him in heaven forever. So I pray that the roadmap will be a tool that will help you to live in love like Jesus by being with God, being with others, being sent. Last week when we announced that we are commissioning the West Campus as an independent congregation, we are sending them to reach a portion of this community that needs to know God's love. Earlier this year in January, we commissioned business leaders and educators and stay-at-home moms and people who live and work in the medical field, people who are public servants, whether as policemen or firemen or any other way that serve our community. I think it might be appropriate today, a specific group of people who probably are on all of our minds right now, those who are returning to school or maybe have just returned to school. And so as a commissioning moment right now, I would like to ask if you are a teacher or an administrator, if you are a staff member at any school, whether that be a preschool, an elementary, a middle school, high school, uh, a college or university, if you are um, a part of a private school or a public school, as the staff and administration or teachers, would you stand right now? I'd also ask if you're a student, whether you are starting kindergarten or maybe you are starting college or master's work, if you're a student, would you stand right now? As a leader of this congregation, we just wanna say a prayer of blessing over you and commission you to the work that God has called you to do. Because every work, all the work that we do, everything we've put our hand to, is a living out of this commissioning that God's called us to. I ask the rest of you to join me in prayer. Let's pray together. God, thanks for creating us. You didn't do it haphazardly or just for the fun of it. You created each of us with purpose. You've given each of us purpose. We reflect your character and identity best when we live with purpose and on mission. God, all of us are called to that. I especially right now lift before you those who are standing in our midst right now, those who have committed their life to education, those who have work in a classroom or work in an office all collectively together to help this generation not just be educated, but be influenced. And God, I know that every school across this community needs people who see that as a mission, not just as a profession. So I know that standing before me are literally tens, if if not a collective 100 people, God, who are created by you and sent by you to the place where they currently are serving, whether that's as a teacher, administrator, a staff member, or as a student. And so God, I pray that they would live out this mission of living and loving like Jesus, be on mission by being sent. And God, I pray the rest of us would do that too. 
I pray that through the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. I don't think it hurt to give these guys a round of applause here. Don't have any real cutesy in words other than what Jesus said to his followers. Go, I'm sending you. In Phil's words, don't pass go, don't collect $100, just go straight to the atrium today. That might be a place for you to live out how to be sent, whether that be within the walls of Crossroads, in this local community, or maybe somewhere in our world, literally around the globe. What we're here to do is walk alongside you and invite you in to join us as we're all sent on mission with God. So it'd be worth the five minutes of your time it'll take to pop out in the atrium to look around and see a couple possibilities. Not just think about it, but actually take a step toward someone that's there to help you connect to how you can be sent. And I hope to see you back next week as we jump into this journey, the book of Acts, and learning how we can all keep living and loving like Jesus. Have a great day.